0: What's up, Jordan? How you feeling? I'm good, Sam. What's up with you, man? Man, chilling. Soaking in these, these sun rays out here in yeah, Los Angeles. Too, the, the Music Business Podcast Los Angeles Tour continues. Today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Justin DeMarco. Justin helps lead marketing and is a product manager at Red Light Management. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar, Red Light Management is literally one of the most prolific management companies in the business. I think it's the largest management company. In yeah, the they have massive roster, oh, hundreds of artists. Um People like Dave Matthews Band, uh, Fish, Duke Dumont, Odessa, the Alabama Shakes. Yeah, I mean the Lionel Richie, like all, all these different people. Justin's specific role is to help run an in-house marketing team that supports their different artists with content and digital efforts. Uh, mostly specific, uh, mostly focused across their different electronic acts and dance music acts. So, I think it's really interesting for a couple reasons. For starters, I think Justin obviously has tons of great perspectives on holistic marketing tactics and strategies for artists. Prior to working at Red Light, he was working at Wavo, which is another very big kind of marketing and ad agency for the music industry. Um, so he's got a very good understanding on digital strategy. So uh, we got to dive very deep into some specific tactics, growing audiences, creating content to help build your fan base versus content and tactics to help sell tickets or drive streams. Um, the list goes on. Uh, I really enjoyed this. And also, too, I think – this what Red Light is doing by having an in-house content and marketing team um, that Justin's a big part of. It, to me, is awesome, and I feel like that's the direction more and more management companies will be going. Is really starting to to staff and bring in full time in-house marketing team and content teams rather than just having like sporadic engagements with different videographers or content creators or social managers here and there. We're really making this a an integral component of what it means to sign with a management company. So really enjoyed hearing Justin's perspective. What do you think, Jordan?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's interesting about Justin is that he specializes in the dance sector. So a lot of the people that he facilitates marketing for are DJs, and we get into it in the episode a little bit. But DJs obviously are curators in themselves, themselves, and that's their primary job. So how do you make somebody the focus who inherently puts the focus on... Everybody else in their music, you know, how do you create and develop that brand? I thought that was super interesting. I also thought it was great that at some point, you know, we obviously know, in addition to the people that work in the industry that listen to this podcast, there are a lot of people that want to join it. And he talks about, he talks about really making yourself unique in a situation in order to really bring value to a company. So I thought that was also great.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, without any further ado, Mr. Justin DeMarco. Justin what's up man how you doing tonight good good how you guys doing fantastic good. very excited to to have you on the show uh this is part of our our LA tour music business podcast but uh Grammy very, very esteemed guests um so i think you're currently working and have an incredibly uh, really unique and awesome role i mean uh kind of leading in-house marketing team at one of the world's biggest management companies um, Can you talk a little bit about your journey to that point? I know uh, it's obviously not your first job in the music industry, so I'd love to hear just a little bit about your path before we start diving into a lot more kind of perspectives and tactics in marketing.
2: Yeah, so I started in music back in college. Uh, I started a music blog at the time that eventually led me into management. Uh, I started working with some friends who were producers and mm-hmm. making music Started a management company with my partner, uh, Michael, who's still a manager, actually. He manages Robotaki and a few others. Um, From there, I eventually joined Wevo. And so that was kind of like my first um, sort of bigger role in the music industry. Wevo is a marketing technology company for music, um, kind of working at the intersection of tech and music, built a lot of uh, advertising products and eventually kind of transitioned to being a full-on Agency. Um, while I was there, I worked with companies like Atlantic Records, Interscope, uh, Warner. Um, and a couple of years into my job, I was tasked with building up our live events division. Um, so in that role, I worked with promoters with festivals on you know helping them uh, sell tickets to their shows and also helping artists sell tickets on their tours. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in September, I joined Red Light Management where I now oversee marketing for the electronic division. Um, so that is essentially tour marketing, release strategy, uh, digital advertising, pitching to DSPs. It's a very kind of wide-ranging role. And I'm there to essentially act as support for all of our managers um, on any marketing-related issues.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So for where are you from originally again? Montreal? Montreal, Canada. So yeah. what is the scene like in Montreal?
2: Montreal is the cultural hub of Canada, in my opinion. I mean, uh, people give a lot of credit to Toronto and like <laughs> I was about Toronto. To say, you
1: pretty much just said Montreal
2: <laughs> is the fucking shit. It's the best.
0: <laughs> Montreal, <laughs> is the <dope laughs> stuff, Montreal, is great. You
2: know, <laughs> I think what makes Montreal special is well, a you know the French language. Um, mm. that's something that's super Are you unique. In, in French. I do. Yeah, I do speak French. Um. So that gives Montreal kind of a unique perspective. But you know, there's a really healthy electronic music scene. There's a really healthy indie music scene. Um, I think we have a ways to go when it comes to hip hop and like R D <laughs> Toronto kind of stole yeah, stole yeah, the yeah. show there. <laughs> but um, you know, as somebody who who kind of grew up with electronic music and has always been a fan of electronic music, it was a great place to learn, you know, with so many incredible artists. A-track is from there. Um you know, so um there's some really incredible talent from that city. And um that's kind of where I learned, you know, the music business.
0: For sure. So I wanna learn. I mean, Red Light is a powerhouse management company. Is it it's the biggest management company in the world? From what I understand, yeah. Uh, Like artists, just in terms of artists, I think we have
2: three hundred plus artists. Um, you know, we have offices and six seven cities yeah yeah yeah. um so definitely you know there's a wide wide range of talent from like artists that are just beginning to Mm -hmm. you know stadium acts Uh, for sure yeah and i
0: think what's interesting too is i mean just your role kind of being this almost in-house marketing lead across all of the electronic artists is uh i mean you don't necessarily like smaller management teams don't have dedicated marketing teams or staff i mean it's kind of uh the manager will have to wear a lot of hats or rely on other agency teams um Can you talk a little bit about how that team is structured internally at Red Light and how you support the different artists on the roster?
2: Yeah. So I'm part of what we call our creative services team. Um, So that includes myself in the marketing role, but we also have some social media managers. We have some extremely talented graphic designers, photo, video people, um, motion graphics people. So we have this whole kind of um, unit within the company that can support our managers for any kind of creative or marketing endeavor. Um, whereas in other companies that work generally has to be outsourced. Um, and it becomes a lot more expensive, obviously, you know, so you, you might take on some more work internally, but you know, you're a manager, so you do a million other things and, um, you're not able to maybe produce the level of work that, um, you would need or you have to pay, you know, a ton of money to get it done externally. Yeah. So for us, I think it's been a real competitive advantage because we have that ability to like, um you know create creative product really fast um be nimble, and you know be in the room with with our creatives twenty four well not
0: twenty four
2: seven but <laughs> sometimes yeah
0: that's fun that's exciting i think um when and just out of curiosity too i mean is that structured like a uh label marketing team where it's can oftentimes the, the services and resources are monopolized by a lot of the highest like priority artists i'm just curious as to are there artists that are vying for those resources or are you ever like billing it back to the artists or that is just if they sign with red light they get access to this team
2: yeah, if they sign with Red Light, they get access to this team. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really prioritize any artists over any other That's all awesome. our managers yeah. um use us, you know, for whatever kind of needs they have on on their projects. Um and I think it's fantastic, you know, it's like these smaller artists that wouldn't have the the focus or the attention other companies have those resources. Um, yeah.
1: It's interesting that you asked that though, because um, you know, where I work, it's Sometimes the bigger artists actually need less attention because they're already established. Yeah, absolutely. So we had a client who was one of the biggest producers in the world. And at the time, we had another client, Goldlink, who was slowly building his career. He was at a place where he really needed the attention from everybody on the team, as opposed to this producer who already had this pedigree. You know what I mean? So. Um it, I just think it's interesting that you asked that question cuz sometimes the smaller artists can get more attention just just, just by the nature and then the, and then the bigger artists just need, you know, their one or two managers that have kind of been riding for them because they have a system down and sometimes that system takes more more of an effort than building it for somebody who already has it down packed, you know Totally. I mean? Totally. Especially in management, so
2: for sure. Yeah, and it's actually very similar with us, you know, to a certain extent the bigger artists will have the resources if they want like a creative director that works on their team, they'll have the resources to pay that person. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they have, you know, a label with uh, a label deal, you know, they'll have all of those services available. Um, we're definitely there to support as well. But when it comes to smaller artists that right. don't, don't necessarily have that ability to, to take it, you know, out of house, yeah. um, we're able to provide those
0: services to them as well.
1: That's awesome.
0: Super cool. So, I mean, Marketing is such a broad topic with so many different angles, but what do you feel are some of the most important areas of focus when an artist is going to consider marketing, growing their fan base, building their career? To me, the biggest
2: area of focus, I think, is positioning and strategy. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like,
2: how do you differentiate yourself in the marketplace? I think so many artists are focused on um, just getting their music to as many people as possible, that they don't think about who those people are and how those people are going to relate to their music. Um, You know, we've seen so many artists that have millions and millions of streams on Spotify but can't sell 200 tickets. Mm -hmm. And artists that don't have a lot of streams and that can fill in, you know, a 2,000-cap room. Um, So I think it really comes down to how you differentiate yourself, how you build a connection with your fans, and how, yeah, how you're going to... Organize all your marketing efforts around sort of delivering something special for that fan, the way that you've decided that you're going to deliver that product.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: How do you how do you identify what that is when an artist comes on to Red light? Or I guess this could just be the way that you do it as a marketer yourself. So for people that want to look back at look back at their own, you know, socials or marketing tactics what's some of the first steps that they should do to identify how they should position and, and and strategize
2: Yeah absolutely I think the first thing that you have to do is really you know figure out what your sound is figure out mm-hmm. um where you come from as an artist what you know who do you connect to already Yeah um and look at ways of kind of integrating that into what you're doing um I think a lot of it comes with experimentation as well you know when right. you're starting out um you can't have these grand ideas about like this is the 10 year plan and this is how i'm going to get there mm-hmm. you you know you put out a lot of music you work with all kinds of people and you figure out what kind of works what connects um what people are interested in when it comes to your to your craft um it's not you know it's not a science i think a lot of it you know comes with testing with yeah um you know you have a hypothesis is this going to work you you know maybe put out a release or a music video that has a certain vibe to it Um, and you see if people connect with it, and maybe they don't, you know, and Mm -hmm. you try something else. Um, So I think it's an iterative process, um, but it's going to be different for every artist.
0: Right, right, right. When you think about um, kind of when it boils down to, I guess we'll talk about kind of start to get a little more specific of like tactics as they pertain to like subsets or specific priorities when you're marketing. So oftentimes it's like, I guess I'd kind of break it into like three overarching areas. You have like build a fan base online or just build a fan base in general online, obviously too, Um, sell tickets, drive streams. So I'd like to kind of dive into each one of those and get your, get your take and perspective. So we'll start with, um, I mean, just given, I guess your experience at, I mean, I'd say foundation is building the fan base. So let's start there. Um, What are specific tactics? I mean, once you've kind of thought a little bit about the digital strategy, how you want to differentiate yourself how do you really think about growing a fan base and and what are specific tactics that you've seen work well when it comes to really building a lot of momentum in building a fan base?
2: I think one thing that's important is you know treating your fans as if they're special. Um, we have some artists that are really good about interacting with their fans, about you know communicating with them on private whatsapp groups, on Facebook groups, you know where they're super involved um and they like the stuff that the fans post they post in those groups themselves like they care about their fans as if they were their family Mm -hmm. um and i think you've seen a lot of success in recent years with artists that have kind of embraced that strategy um especially in dance music if you look at artists like above and beyond if you look at artists like rez um you know for us we have bass nectar um ls dream who've really kind of embraced that that fan first approach um they'll meet up with their fans before shows, you know. Mm-hmm. They'll hang out, um, grab a pizza, like just yeah, talk yeah, with them, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I think it starts with that like one-on-one communication cuz once you do that, like you build a fan for life. Right. Um, and that person is then going to become an ambassador for your music and mm-hmm. um help grow, you know, your fan base that way.
0: Right. For sure. When you think about uh helping artists with content, um how do you think about content that can help an artist grow their fan base versus content that's going to help them promote a specific initiative it's
2: a good question content that can grow their fan base you know i don't think there's one specific piece of content that Mm -hmm. will grow your fan base it's not like you put out one instagram you know post or like one youtube video and suddenly like
1: your fan base is there. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. doing this for my fan base. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think,
2: you know, it comes down to sort of being consistent. And mm-hmm. if somebody does discover you, do you have that kind of um, that depth of content that, right. you know, they can go in and go down the rabbit hole and right. figure out, you know, what is this artist all about? What is their world, you know, and it's I think the idea is you want to bring people into that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that extends to your live show. It extends to your music videos. It extends to the way that you interact with people on social media, to your merch, you know. Right. The artists that have the most um, sort of specific and well thought out kind of brand vision are able to bring those elements into play across everything that they do um so you look at like the odd future crew they have their festivals they have like Mm -hmm. their way that their merch is designed you know they have ambassadors and all the artists that work with them Mm -hmm. um it kind of extends to everything that they do right and i think that's where you see longevity and success um Mm -hmm. in the music industry they've been around for 10 years and like they're still on top of the game and i think in 10 years they'll still be there you know
0: Yeah, yeah for sure for sure so I guess going into the next bucket of priorities, if you will, um, driving streams. Uh, I know this is once again loaded and broad, but how do you think about driving streams from a organic? Let's start with organic perspective, where you don't—it's not running ads.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously playlists are great to drive streams. You yeah. land on a huge playlist, and and that'll help immensely. For play,
0: I mean, and then when it comes to playlists, for I mean, it's nice you probably have some solid playlist connections more so than the average manager or fan would have just given the artists you work with in a red light too, as a, I mean, are there tips or tactics that artists and younger and smaller managers can think about when it comes to getting on playlists, even if they don't yeah, have like, the, the plug at Spotify?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's about building a story. You know, they're looking for artists that have momentum and they want to amplify that story. Mm-hmm. So if you have um, momentum at press, if you have momentum at radio, if you have something that's happening on the touring side, if they see that, you know, you're building content to kind of go back to this idea of like building a universe around your, your mm-hmm. music, right. if you're building content if you're putting out music videos. Right. You know. They, this is a serious artist that has something to say, that has a point of view, that has a message. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to see that. And, you know, there's obviously tools like the Spotify for artist tools. And, you know, you can find information about who the playlist editors are and, right. um, you know, just be smart about how you approach them. It's not just about blasting anybody.
1: DM
2: um, yeah, you know, yeah. like <laughs> there's there's a certain way of doing things, you know, right, right. like, <laughs> um, so I think, you know, it's about sort of being able to to explain what you stand for and why, you know, there's a reason for people to care about your music. Right. Why yeah. you're relevant to them. They exactly. want people to
1: listen to their playlists because they want people to enjoy the music on their playlists. For sure. Why exactly. should, you know, past sure. the music, why should they be on their playlist? Why why should we why should we give you this platform? How will it help us also totally you know? Yeah. yeah, I mean
2: I'm not telling the editors like for this small baby band that I'm working with, you know, this would be great on New Music Friday. Like, you know, you have to build the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you have to build a story. It's the story. There's of something you know, real. there's the genre playlist, right. there's the Friday yeah. crate diggers of the world. Like, right. you kind of, you know, slowly build it up and mm-hmm. that is what's going to give you momentum to kind of go into those bigger playlists over totally. time. Right. It.
0: Right. To continue pressing into other tactics to drive streams. What do you think of, uh, is pre-saves worth it? Like, do you think it's valuable to, I think obviously you want to build some level of anticipation, whether or not you're driving pre-saves or not. Teasing songs, like there's songs. I remember uh Rich the kid when he was, he, he'd literally been teasing the song New Freezer for like a year, year and a half <laughs> before the song came out. I remember seeing like snippets and stuff. And I mean, that is amazing because then come launch day, you have all this anticipation. Pre-saves specifically, is that something artists should be driving towards? I'm a fan of pre-saves. I don't know how much
2: they move the needle in terms of streams, mm-hmm. but it's it's almost, you know, somebody is like committing to kind of listening to that song mm-hmm. later on. Um, you know, it's a great way to to build up your email list. A lot of the pre- pre-save tools have kind of functionalities where um, a fan can go in and agree to to give their email to the artist. So that's a way for, you know, for the artist to keep that connection going. Um do you know any of those specific
0: tools off the top of your head? I,
2: I like to use LinkFire a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. just the one that I have like the most experience right. with, but there's a ton out there. There's FFM, mm-hmm. um, there's Foundy. I don't know if all of these have the pre-save functionality right, to right, them. Right. A lot of them kind of um are integrated with like the landing pages where you mm-hmm. know it'll
1: send you to all the different streaming Certainly. services and so on. Yeah. But smart URL. Yeah. Smart URL. Yeah, exactly. Um, um what about the followers feature? I feel like, you know, in my experience, when I see followers on some of my clients it's sort of just like a passive thing it's like okay great they have a hundred thousand followers now on spotify is that something that's in your in, in how you market your clients is that something that you actually take into account how do we increase spotify followers themselves you know yeah
2: absolutely um spotify follows are extremely important because if somebody follows you um and you put out a song it'll go into the release radar playlist mm-hmm. And consistently for every single one of our artists, that is like the number one driver of Mm, streams. mm. So it's really, really important to to try and encourage your fans to follow you. Mm. Um, We've run a lot of like follow campaigns, you know, like I don't know if we're if we're running campaign, try to sell tickets to a tour. um, It's like, okay, you can win two tickets to this show, but you have to follow the artist on Spotify. Um, Uh, So you can search who follows on Spotify. No, but what the tools that you use for that campaign, they'll they'll then give you, you know, the people who followed you as part of that campaign. Right, right, right. Um, And then, you know, you pick a winner.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So you work specifically in dance. Specifically in dance, yeah. So uh, what do you think in terms of marketing is exclusive or something that you've realized as you've been working in this genre is uh specific to to dance in terms of market trends um how you approach it obviously the stuff that we've been going to now are kind of general you can kind of you know get into everything that we've said so far with most genres uh what 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 is the world like i guess and how does that interpret the way that you market it yeah how that that's, difference? that's and a difference when you'd be like you know i can't do hip-hop like this Or i can't, <laughs> I, can't I can't i can't do pop like yeah, this. yeah no know for mean? sure
2: um dance music is interesting because it's very dj driven Mm -hmm. you know so you're not just playing your own music you're playing music by other artists right um and what that does is that you're not the only one who's pushing your music out there if i if you're a dj and i send you my track and you have a platform and you're playing this track in your sets um you're promoting my music as well yeah so i think that's kind of the unique feature about dance music is it's dj driven it's club driven um, you know, the DJ mixes are still a big thing. Right. Um, people who follow dance music obviously follow the artists that they like, but they also follow curators who have yeah. good taste. Yeah. And so if you can get involved with a curator who has good taste, that's like a stamp of approval for you. Um, that's gonna sort of elevate you in your career. Right. So I think that's the biggest thing in dance music that that I see is like as as a producer, you don't want to just sort of market to fans, but you also want other DJs to to like your music and respect what you do.
1: Right, right, right. Because you can't be playing whack shit, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how does that change the general branding of of DJs? You know, so when I think of artists, you know, the clients that I work with, they are very focused on their music mm-hmm. um how does that change you know your the way you experiment on socials how does that change the way that you interact with your fans is it is it more so you know do you dj on on instagram you know what i mean like do you show <laughs> do you show new songs that you that you like on instagram also as a part of your brand how does that how does that change it if the dj what they do isn't all about them yeah, I mean, I think it really depends on the artist. Some, mm-hmm. you
2: know, dance music has kind of come from DJ culture, yeah, and transition now to a mix of producer and DJ culture. So, right. depending on the artist, you know, you might sit more on one side of right. of that spectrum. Um, some artists, you know, have their own mix shows that they play. You know, they'll play every week and they'll they'll play music from all, all kinds of artists. Right. They'll you know post their sets to be downloaded um a 5 hour set on SoundCloud you know that's that's something that their fans are are excited about um for other artists it's more kind of a traditional artist um mentality where they go through the album cycle and the tour and you know they're not as uh curator focused right so i think it really comes down to the artist um knowing where they fit on that spectrum and you know if they are kind of that curator type um, getting music, getting their DJ skills to the forefront is something that we're definitely going to, going to promote and try
1: and emphasize in the right. way that we market. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Awesome. You can go to the, I kind of distracted. you. can go to the third tier of yeah. Uh, marketing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, um,
0: before we even do that, back to the second tier. <laughs> the second tier. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, obviously driving streams, rolling out songs is critical. Uh, what, I mean, Paid. We'll just dive into paid. <laughs> paid. Um, nah. Are you paid? Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Pa- paid you media. you got money? I, mean, I, I just have like, so many fucking questions. <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay. Paid media. You have influencers. You have influencers on Instagram, TikTok. Um, you have native Facebook ads where you can run ads across Facebook and Instagram, story ads. You can pay to playlist. And like sometimes that can even be sketchy and bite you in the ass. What are the – when you think about deploying a paid media budget towards driving streams and amplifying a new music release, what have you found to be the most effective ways of allocating that budget?
2: So the first thing I think to know is that the big challenge with paid media when it comes to streaming is that you don't really know what happens once you send somebody off to a link. (laughs) Do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's exactly. marketers worst <laughs> exactly. there's no attribution. The is leaky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, what, what happens they do, once they go yeah, to Spotify? what they do, what they do,
0: what they do. You have no idea. And even yeah. you know, even in my own experience, I'll get served an ad for a song and swipe up, and then it like takes me to. It won't even take me to my Spotify app. It'll take me like Spotify in my browser. Where I'm not logged in. <laughs> no, you know, yeah, it's not. like this is just not working at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ahead. So I
2: think that part of paid media is kind of broken. Um, but knowing that, you know, you can kind of adapt and see your paid media as a way to build brand awareness, as a way to build familiarity with that artist. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you have the right kind of tracking tools in place so that you're consistently reengaging the same audience, they will become more familiar with their music. So the idea is that when they go on Spotify or Apple music, um, and they see your name pop up on a playlist, they might not skip it. They're going to listen to that song. Right or they're going to go search, you know, for your for your track afterwards. If you think that you're going to, you know, run some Facebook ads and it's going to drive up your stream count like in direct proportion to how much you spend. Right. You know, that's that, <laughs> Yeah, that's not going to work <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but, you know, I think there's still a place for paid media in terms of building awareness with an artist until in terms of building familiarity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have a really strong visual asset, like so much of, of advertising now is visual. So if you have a strong visual identity and you can put that to the forefront um, and kind of amplify the reach that, you know, you would not be getting um if you were only, only posting it sort of organically, right. there's a place for paid media that. So, sure. you know, the way that I see it is, yeah, it's, it's a brand awareness thing, but it's also a way to get the visual aspect and your build your brand identity totally. um, on those platforms. You know, Instagram sure. stories takes up the full screen on your phone. So totally. it's like, that's a huge opportunity to, to get in someone's face. Right. And you know, get them to see what you're all about, yeah, and catch their attention. It's not every single person that's going to be interested, but that's right. how you kind of start the conversation um, with you know those new fans, and so then with the, the fans that you already have. Um, if you're able to continually reengage them, that's going to hopefully build up that fandom. You know, over time, where somebody might have only heard of you one time, but you know, you engage them over multiple campaigns, they get be- they get more interested. Eventually, they'll buy a ticket to your show, and you kind right. of grow it that way.
0: For sure. So, if you have a five thousand or ten thousand dollar budget, where are you putting? How are you breaking it down? It depends who the artist is. Did you say five or ten? I switched to ten. Okay. okay. <laughs> okay. He works at but, okay. he works yeah. Red Light, bro. He doesn't <laughs> play to run so these you got a million dollar budget. What yeah, do you have a million dollar budget. <laughs> sure.
2: um, ten thousand. I mean, it depends. Do you have a music video? Uh, yeah. You have a music video. I'm probably putting half of my budget onto YouTube to promote the shit out of that music yeah, video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, TrueView ads, I think, are a great tool to get your music videos in front of people mm-hmm. and get them seen. You know, it's a really, it's a visual, another, you know, to get back to the visual aspect, totally. like it's a visual uh, piece of content that's that's just really rich and a great way to get your brand across to fans. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm probably, probably putting half my budget into TrueView ads. To promote the music video. Mm -hmm. Um, A good chunk of it into Instagram stories, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. again, it comes down to the visual aspect. You're taking up the whole phone, you know, um, as opposed to something that's in someone's feed that they're just trying to scroll past. Or something
1: around what they're trying to do. Yeah, no, exactly. Like banner ads or something like that. They do work, but, you know, those... Instagram story ads piss me off. That's how I know they work well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or the targeting is not good. Yeah, no yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the targeting is not good. I have yeah. downloaded a bunch of shit off those stories. Too, yeah. So yeah. Um.
2: But you know, beyond beyond just the the budget allocation, I think it comes down to the content that you're using. Sure. You know, um, something that we found that's very successful is when artists directly kind of shout out to the fans like, hey, this is my new song, you know, mm. super excited to share with this with you. Right. What do you think? Check it out on Spotify, check it out on Apple Music, mm-hmm. whatever the case might be. Um, but that's, you know, a way for artists to kind of bring their personality into the conversation and connect with fans more than just like a piece of artwork that has right. a song playing in the background. For sure. So that's been really successful for us. Um, I think, you know, trying to focus on creating engaging content is half the battle when it comes to Mm -hmm. paid media and just, you know, digital marketing in general.
0: Yeah, for sure. One thing that we've seen work well when it comes to like creating content too is uh, like people, I mean, even people don't like to feel like they're being marketed to. So we try and make, if we're running an ad around a song, try and make it feel as organic as possible. And in simple and even simpler terms, it's like take a live performance clip. This is something that if the artist were to post live on their page, it would perform well organically or it's a DJ then playing out the song um, that can be better even though that it can just be an iPhone video of them playing it live with the cool crowd reaction, which can outperform by far a $2,000 super polished animated motion graphic of the artwork just because it, it feels more produced. And in general too, it's like if f- things feel overproduced, it once again makes people feel like they're being marketed to and likely won't perform as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've seen that time and time again, like, mm-hmm a cell phone video of, you know, a huge moment at a show outperform the minute long like crazy trailer that they spent yeah. a ton of money on. Right. And you know, it just makes me wonder like why are we spending all this money when, you know, people are looking for something authentic, you know, and that mm-hmm. that kind of crowd view of the show is more in line with what the fans are going to experience when they're there. Than you know the drone shot like on top yeah, of the crowd, yeah, you yeah. Know? So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, true
0: for sure. True. All right, third pillar.
1: Go ahead, third pillar. Live.
0: <laughs> I am trying to sell out my show, not sell out myself. but, but The show. <laughs> the show.
1: I am not a sellout. Yeah, if you want Jordan, Jordan
0: selling out. <laughs> right, yeah, so you are trying to sell a bunch of tickets <laughs> to an upcoming show. Um, so you are a mid artist. It's a hard ticket show three cat three k cap room biggest room you've ever done New York city or l a major market you have some level of traction um how do what what are you thinking as far as from a marketing perspective you don't want to just rely on the promoter so as an artist and as kind of being on the management side you want to take it a little bit upon yourself to make sure this show sells out because if this one sells out it's it's a good signal to other promoters it's a good signal that you should and you are if you sold out X venue in New York City, damn, you should get booked in all these other markets. How are you approaching that?
2: For sure. Um, so obviously, there's a ton of stuff that you can do. I think it really starts about it starts with you know the data that you have on your fans and really um, knowing who your core fans are. And I think that comes back to what we were talking about a bit earlier with regards to marketing releases, if you're able to track the fans that are interested in your music, those are the people who are most likely to go to your show. Right. So if you are, have been doing a good job at, you know, tracking your audiences, um, building up your email list, consistently reengaging fans with your music, when the time comes to announce a show, you're not um, sort of trying to reach out there and, you know, imagine who might be interested in this show. Like you yeah. have that audience built out already. Right. So I think that, you know, is really the first sort of pillar that you wanna be focusing on um, is consistently re-engaging your audience, making sure that you have the right tools to track them, mm-hmm. um, getting back to content, like having great content as a driver to get fans to experience what that show is gonna be like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shots from the crowd, not like the crazy edited ten thousand right. dollar video. Right. After that, I think, you know, there's a lot of pre-sale tools that are really powerful. Um, you know, you can do a Spotify presale where Spotify will send out an email to all your top fans um with a special code that will give them access That's to awesome. tickets before they have to
1: agree to that, right? You the to, like, fans, do you, do you have to like pitch Spotify. You have that? to pitch, yeah. You have yeah, to pitch yeah. Spotify.
2: You have to make sure you know it's a certain number of weeks before you're going on sale, right? Right? Um, you can't just hit them up the day before. <laughs> <laughs> I, need <laughs> yeah, I need help,
1: yeah. <laughs> this is an important <laughs> yeah. show for me, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: um, you know, Spotify pre sale is great, Songkick has a pre sale feature as well. Um, I think Bands in town might have one, I haven't used it as much, mm-hmm. but you know, these are all tools that people who are interested in live music use. And so if you're able to connect with those people before your tickets are actually going on sale, Mm -hmm. um, that's going to give you a leg up for sure. Yeah. After that, um, you know, it comes down to content. It comes down to like having a really solid advertising plan in place. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing, you know, a lot of marketing budgets are really spent on advertising nowadays. Yeah. Um, There's so many shows going on. There's so much, you know, so many things happening all the time. Fans need to know about it, um, and they need to kind of consistently be reminded of it. So, you know, there's all kinds of tools and tactics that you can use to, right. you know, make sure that you're allocating your budgets correctly, that you're retargeting people who might be interested but didn't purchase a ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that is kind of going a bit too much into the weeds, maybe for yeah. this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the the gist for sure, of it. Right. You know, totally. I think yeah. Right.
0: One random, just little thing too is, and I'm sure we could dive way deeper into all the weeds, but one little thing that people don't even think about too is uh, like Facebook events. If you post, if you're an event admin in a Facebook event and you post, everybody that is marked interested or going to that event gets a notification. Um, I do that every time. That you posted, yeah. yeah so that's a great way to like, them, yeah. if people are interested, um, to re-engage and help actually get them across the line of buying a ticket. And you yeah. can
1: schedule those posts now too. So I used to have to wake Posts
0: up within Facebook events. Yes, so I used to have to. What wake tool are you up. using for that?
1: It's just Facebook. You can nice. just schedule within Facebook when you when you type a comment, you can schedule when it goes up. And I think they, awesome. I think they realized that people were doing that when stuff would go up at you know 10 a.m. London time, yeah. and I would have mm-hmm. to make sure there was yeah. a post <laughs> at 5 a.m. New York time. You know what I mean? Now you can you can schedule it. They make it a lot easier. Nice. Um, Something that I also think has worked on my end at least is email marketing for stuff like oh, that. That's huge. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you have a show saying we have a limited amount of presale tickets, sign up for my mailing list. I'll send you the presale ticket at this certain time at this certain day. Mm-hmm. Send another email out that same day either at the exact time that the presale goes out or an hour before. You're like, "Hey, the presale is happening or the presale is live now." Um, that to me has, and, and then you market it to the segment that's signed up for sure. Exactly. You market, and then obviously when the tickets are on sale, you send it to everybody. Totally. But it's so, so you don't send everybody like three emails mm-hmm. if they're if they're already on the list. Yeah, for sure, and that's that, a great
2: way to build up your list as well. Exactly, yeah.
1: that's 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 uh, been something that we've used for mm-hmm. you know a while here that. If you have the engagement on everything else and, and that's just a part of the picture, then people will sign up to to get the pre-sale because mm-hmm. they don't feel like they're being marketed to. It just feels like something else like Instagram or Facebook yeah, where you yeah. just have to sign up in order to get that's cool. your messaging and have For to trust sure. your messaging in order to do that too. Yeah, totally. you
2: know? And so. I think it also comes down to not just relying on the promoter to do all the work, For sure, you know. You Use have to, to be... Sam's ears. <laughs> He's like, tell him. <laughs> yeah. Tell him. Yeah, no, no, I
1: mean, it, it, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. it relies on hiring Knox. No, <laughs> okay, no, no, no. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, promoters are are promoting dozens and dozens of shows at the same yeah. time, you know? And so you're just one of their shows. Right. And, you know... You really want to make sure that, like, they're doing everything they can to promote that show effectively. And so yeah. if you stay on top of them, if you're, you mm-hmm. know, paying attention to those to those shows, they're going to be paying more attention to it as well. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think that's something that's really important is, like, you have to take ownership of that show selling out, not mm-hmm. just leave it to the promoter. Sure. And if it doesn't work out, it's the promoter's fault. Totally. Right. And um, you can't just
1: get on the promoter's ass about it because a lot no, of the times sure. they don't actually know
0: – how to get the result that you want. You know what I mean? It's team effort.
1: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly.
0: So one other tactic too is, um, I think a lot of people overlook the fact that you're reaching such a small subset of your followers when you post organically, that you can build custom audiences of people that follow you and live in certain markets and almost guarantee that your fans in those markets know you have a show. That's the hands down the most likely audience to buy your tickets. And there's still a good chance they don't even know you're coming. Um, so I think even if you don't have a massive budget, even if you are a smaller artist, I mean, being able to target those fans, and even if you're a bigger artist, like that's, it's going to be one of the smaller audiences you can target, but it's going to be one of the most relevant ones too. So you should be doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I have
2: an, I'm running some ads for an artist right now who's on tour in Europe, and. I'm trying to spend 200 bucks over the course of like a few weeks, and the frequency on some of these audiences is like seven or eight. And I'm like, damn, okay, I only needed like (laughs) 100 (laughs) bucks to make it reach every fan in London. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so it's like you don't need a lot of money to to go far. If you have your audiences organized in the right way, um, you know, those are the people who are going to be buying tickets. And Mm so, um, you know, you don't need huge budgets to make a difference.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's a random idea, but. Might as well throw it out here. I feel like there's artists that can make more money by almost disintermediating promoters and throwing their own shows. I think you see this happen at the biggest level. When you see people like Drake or – um I mean this is a completely different league. But think about somebody like Floyd Mayweather in boxing. He's gotten so big to the point that he created his own promotion company, right? Like he doesn't need to get booked to box. He's doing the bookings. Whoever he fights, he's paying them. <laughs> like – I think artists, I mean, when it, you, it, like a Drake or somebody, they're essentially paying a venue fee for the like the venue and helping sell tickets to the venue rather than necessarily getting booked at times. So do you feel like, art, I feel like smaller artists, if they have a strong connection with their fan base, you don't need to be at this major caliber. Do you guys feel like artists can, to some extent, broker more deals with venues directly and disintermediate local promoters? Damn, that's
2: a good
0: question. Um
2: I think the challenge, you know, with somebody like Floyd, May- Floyd Mayweather, yeah. all he needs to do is like go to Vegas and do one, you know, one right. fight and right. that's that's his, you know, paycheck for the year. For sure. When you're an artist, you want to be playing in as many different cities as possible. Right.
0: I'm not saying every single show and but I think for like certain shows, like I mean, you see there's some DJs that will have their own parties but For sure. I mean, I think you're
2: seeing more and more artists that are throwing their own festivals, Mm -hmm. throwing their own, you know, party brands, but they're still doing in, in, you know, in collaboration with with local promoters who have that local expertise, who you know, have the customer lists Mm -hmm. um, of people who are going to come to the show. You know, promoting a show is really, really hard and like hats off to all the promoters who are doing it because it's not an easy job. Mm -hmm. And I think if artists take that onto themselves as like another responsibility, right? you know, maybe some artists might be willing to do it, but I I mm-hmm. can't see that becoming like a huge trend anytime yeah, yeah, yeah. soon. Yeah. I also
1: think that I mean, if the career for the artist is uh, you know, going upwards, then you'll be doing different venues the next mm-hmm. time you go to a show, which also changes the amount of expertise you need to sell to sell out that show, or you'll be doing different, you know, different you'll be in a different environment, I guess. So like promoting to me always kinda seemed like In terms of what they're doing, kind of like trying to hit a moving target because the the you know, you could come to a city the next year and your entire fan base is different, Mm -hmm. you know, and you have to depend on that local expertise to kind of figure it out, especially the first time that you're in these markets, you know, by the time that you can get rid of a promoter, you'd have to play at the same venue. Have the same sort of fan base to be at the same point in your career every time yeah. you play that venture. Yeah, and then, yeah, then maybe the sure. third or fourth time you're like, All right, I could get this. I could do this myself. Totally. You know. But yeah, there are yeah. so many different variables that we don't think about. For sure. Yeah.
2: And at that point, you know, it's your fourth show in the market. That that promoter has, you know, the ticket buyers for your four
0: previous shows. You have nothing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have your yeah which is fans, you know, for, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Which is yeah. like another
0: just high-level issue in the music industry.
2: I mean, I think, you know, it, as you yeah. become bigger as an artist, as you build up your own brand, you're definitely in a position to negotiate better deals. You're in a position mm. to like launch your own festival, you know. We we we've seen Porter Robinson do it um odd future has their own festival Mm -hmm. post malone has his own festival like it's just you know it's it's going on and on and on and so um artists are becoming platforms to you know to curate their tastes and to bring in other artists that they respect and and want to introduce to fans so you know i think that's a trend that we're going to continue seeing but i don't see artists sort of taking over the promoter role
0: yeah 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 so, I want to segue into another topic. I know we kind of spoke a little bit about before the show, but this notion of audience management. I mean, we spoke about it. I mean, what's your, when you define audience management, I think we just alluded to the fact that like promoters own all of the customer data, right? That's kind of a problem. Like artists should have some <laughs> level of like ownership and direct contact with their audience. How do you think, when you say audience management, what does that mean? Why is it important? What can people think about when they want to better manage their audience?
2: Yeah. I mean, What audience management comes down to is like the relationship with the fan. Um, Promoters are the ones who are selling tickets. And so they get the email information. They get the credit card information. They're the ones who have that contact information. But ultimately, it's the artist that's filling up the room. Mm -hmm. So they have no idea who's in the room when they're playing a show. They just get a paycheck at the end of the night. And if they want to go play that city again, they have to go back to that promoter because that promoter has all the data on who their fans are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a problem for artists because they can't remarket to that fan afterwards. So if you came to my show um, and I'm like, I want to introduce you to my album, I want to sell merch to you, I can't do that because right. I don't know who you are. Right. Um, you know, Labels also hold a lot of information on, on uh, fans. They get some data back from the DSPs, but they also hold information from all the marketing that they're doing. And, you know, some labels are great. They'll share that information with artists, but ultimately the artist is not the one who owns that data. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's the artist who's building that relationship with fans. So I think, you know, it's not something that's like a huge topic in the industry just because it's kind of a niche area of digital marketing. But I think it's really important for artists to have that direct connection with their fans so that they can build that long-term relationship um, if they're trying to market to new people every time they have a new release or every time they have a show, you know, they're starting from scratch. So um, my view is that, you know, management companies and booking agencies need to do a better job of, you know, pushing their partners in the music industry to give up a bit of that fan data or mm-hmm. at least share it, you know, because we are partners in this um, in this endeavor of, you know, building fan relationships. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Because these are bigger companies, they often, you know, are able to, to sort of deny these requests for artists. But I think, you know, more and more management companies, more and more artists are becoming aware that it is important for them to own that relationship. For sure. Um, that's why email marketing is so huge, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. that's why email is you own that email. Right. You can hit up that that fan via email on on any anytime you want, you know. Totally. I think you're seeing texting also kind of resurge right now because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a direct sort of way to communicate with your fans. And so there's platforms like community that allow that. Um, so yeah, to me, you know, that's a really important topic. I think the artists that have the best relationship with their fans that have the you know the best fan data are gonna have more longevity because they're not as reliant on sort of third-party partners to market for them they can do it themselves Mm -hmm. right
1: right right
0: yeah i love that yeah i think it's uh to the extent i know ryan leslie major proponent of this philosophy too Mm -hmm. being able to like truly own your data on the connection with your fans i think um I mean, even sometimes you see an artist when they're doing those pre sale pages, getting, yeah, just making it a priority. And I think from day one, if you're able to better own that connection for sure, it's like, I think they speak about like owning the racetrack sometimes yeah. when you're the fact that you can't reach your followers organically. I mean, being able to have that connection, being able to take that email list, upload it to Facebook, run it as a yeah. custom audience, like all that stuff is, uh, yeah. New.
2: And I mean, you know, beyond just email and, and texting, like there are tools that are available for anybody to use. Facebook mm-hmm. pixels are a great tool right. to put on your website, you know, mm-hmm. so that you can remarket to anybody who visits your website or to put on your merge mm-hmm. page, you know, so that you know who's buying a T-shirt yeah. from you. Um, to put on your link fire when you have a new release, you know, so that you can continually re-engage those people yeah, for via sure. Facebook. Um, you know, and same thing for Google. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Super like marketing nerd tool, but there's a tool called PixelMe. Me. Um, where you can actually, for s- sites like Amazon or, um, or even like Ticketmaster sometimes, I mean, Ticketmaster, I think if you have like an enterprise account, you can put a Facebook pixel on a Ticketmaster mm-hmm. site, but most artists can not actually edit their Ticketmaster page. Or there's a lot of different times when you're driving traffic to a page that you don't own that you can't put a pixel on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So fa- what pixel me does essentially is, uh, it's like a bit.ly or a, a link shortener where it will essentially you get a short link and it'll redirect somebody, but you can actually upload a pixel to your pixel me link so that as it's redirecting them to the page, it's tagging them with the pixel.
2: Yeah, that's what I do on a lot of my campaigns. You know, I'm sending I'm running ads for a show um in chicago and i'm gonna run that ticket link through a link fire that has a pixel mm-hmm. so you know if i'm spending 250 dollars i'm sent. i'm sending you know a thousand people to the ticket right. page i know who those people are right and the next time that i have a release i can market to those people because mm-hmm. you know they were interested enough to click on a link to check out a show right they might be interested in my new song and you know, sure. my new album Huge. yeah
0: audience insights uh Obviously, it's like critical to know your audience, whether it's doing this in a in a one to one way and literally just having conversations. I think we've spoken and some. you mentioned one artist that will literally like stay to the very end with all of it after a show to really make sure he's nurturing those relationships. And that's good learning. It's in like startup world. They call it customer yeah. development. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you look at that, what are other ways that you can really understand your audience? I mean, I know there's like audience insights and sometimes basic demographic data can be helpful, but like is me knowing that my average fan is 27 years old and lives in New York. Maybe that'll help me like route my tour differently, which is valuable. But how do you think about developing a better understanding of your audience and using that to inform your marketing strategies? That's a good question.
2: Um, I mean, there's tons of tools out there. Chartmetric has a really interesting tool where they have like brand affinity and like uh, artist affinity with uh, with regards to the artist that you're you're looking at um you know spotify spotify related artists is you know really important you can find what your what your artist fans are listening to as well Mm -hmm. so that might be an opportunity for a remix or a collab or a feature Mm -hmm. you know um or it might you know just might give you some insight into what you you know you thought your fans were into something but turns out they're into something else and that's like real data that that's there to tell you um You know, Instagram Insights as well, Facebook Insights. I think it's sort of a confluence of tools that you can use to give you um, a better picture of what your Mm -hmm. fan is like. Um, I think the demographic data is maybe not as important. I mean, obviously, you want to know if your fans are like 18 or 35. Like, that's a huge difference in in how you're going to kind of market and approach um, your strategy. But ultimately, I think it comes to what, you know, what your fans are interested in, what they are as people... Um, just what their vibe is, you know. It's like you have to be able to relate to them on kind of a personal level, and you have to understand what the typical fan is like. How do they approach life? What do they, you know, what do they wear? What music do they listen to? What do they do on their free time? So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, totally. I was just your turn. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. What is something that you think people that have just started their careers don't pay enough attention to in terms of marketing their music shows the three pillars that we just talked about Mm -hmm. what's like the number one piece of advice you would give somebody who's recently started their career or is a a manager who just recently started managing you know
2: um beyond marketing just like career advice i think i would encourage people to show initiative to like look for problems you know the music industry is so chaotic there's so much stuff going on constantly um, if you're able to take work off somebody else's plate, cause you've identified that like, this is a problem and I'm going to solve it. Um, you're really going to differentiate yourself compared to somebody who's just waiting for instructions on what to do next. You know, I think you have to look at where there are opportunities, where are there are problems and bring solutions to the table. Um, it's just a chaotic industry with so much going on all the time that you can't just rely on other people telling you what to do. So I think that's the biggest piece of advice I would have for somebody who's starting out, you know, it's, everybody has too much work going on. You know, you guys (laughs) probably have too much work going on. I have too much work going on. It's like, so if, you know, if there's somebody who's interning and is like, hey, I noticed that like, you know, this thing um, is a huge issue for you, for you, like I put together this spreadsheet. I don't know, it's like a solution to your problem. I'm like, okay, this guy's amazing. This girl's amazing. Like I need to hire them. Right. Um, So I think, you know, showing initiative, being resourceful, looking for problems and finding solutions is a way that you're going to differentiate yourself from from somebody
1: else who's just starting out and maybe is not showing those same character traits. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, even even me in what I do right now, being at the company that I was at, I like made sure that you know what the the lane that i was going in was a lane that wasn't already filled or that was done poorly (laughs) you know (laughs) something that like wasn't done well you know really Mm -hmm. taking a step back um what is the next like thing in in marketing that you want people to pay attention to or that you're paying attention to yourself good question
2: i think personalization is probably Mm. something that um is starting to get a bit of traction, but I think it's going to be a lot bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a story last year about something that AG did at one of their festivals where they, like, figured out who the biggest fans for that artist were. Mm -hmm. Um, And during the show, they, like, texted those fans and were like, hey, you know, we're going to bring you backstage to meet this artist after the show. Oh, shit. And I thought that was, like, really, really cool. Um. So I think, you know, things like that, where you can create these really special experiences um, that, you know, really mean the world to a fan um, are going to become more and more prominent as people like better manage their data, as they get to understand, you know, who really cares about that artist. Um, we're going to see more and more of that. I think that's something I'm excited about. And I would like to be able to do that myself and not just rely on AGs to do it, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 that makes sense
0: so real uh who have been some of your favorite artists to work with or what have been some of your favorite like s- success stories or case studies when it comes to like working with cool artists
2: uh i think in my previous job at Wave. now's your chance
0: to name drop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah my previous
2: job with, i mean i worked a lot with above and beyond's team cool mm-hmm. um i think you know they just run a fantastic uh company you know they have fantastic labels they really have a strong brand vision and vision for how they're developing um, their artist fan base, and really kind of nurturing that fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, really smart marketers. Um, you know, they've run a number of their own festivals and like large scale events all across the world. They have their own mix series. You know, they're always at the forefront of like new marketing strategies. Um, so, if I look to a company that's you know really doing doing it well in in dance music. Um, I definitely put them up there. I think Defected Records and their kind of family of labels is also mm-hmm. a company that's really done a fantastic job um, in terms of marketing. It's you know something similar. It's you know it's it's being able to extend your brand beyond just music into live events into mm-hmm. merch. Um, Defected is a house music label based out of the UK, but they have like a bunch of labels. They have a festival in Croatia. Mm-hmm. They have you know their night in Ibiza um so they've really kind of transformed themselves beyond just a record label but into you know a media company Mm -hmm. that's across all these verticals um and i think we're going to see a lot more of that you know that's what we're already seeing with artists who are building their own festivals they're becoming media companies yeah um and so you know if you're able to do that well i think you're you're on the right track for
0: sure that's exciting awesome cool man well Covered a lot of ground, a lot, had a lot of fun. Feel motivated to go market. Yeah, <laughs> go, go remarket. market yeah, Definitely drop covered a lot of <laughs> Build some audiences. Yeah. I'm
1: excited <laughs> to build some audiences. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. to find my fan base.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. no, I mean this is the foundation, though, man. I think it's like you have quality product and you have getting it out there. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you're really to abstract on what's going to build yeah. a career, it's those two things. Yeah. Um. so I think we covered we were able to really dive into a lot of awesome tactics man so thank you so much for the time the wisdom and really excited to uh, see what's up next in your future man looks bright yeah man thanks for coming out <laughs> appreciate thanks it thanks for
2: having me guys this was great
0: cheers Wow. I really enjoyed learning from Justin. I think uh, it's awesome the breadth of knowledge and experience he has. Enabled, I mean, having worked with so many different artists and marketing teams and festivals, I think uh, really enables him to kind of be a Swiss army knife from a marketing perspective. And really, we're glad we were able to take a very tactical approach as well today. What do you yeah. Think? And I'm glad we got into his roots in Montreal
1: too. I think that's I think that's relevant to his experience in the dance sector. And we don't really get to talk about different Different countries and different cultures that much, but I'm glad we kind of, you know, glossed over that. Um, I think the way Justin broke down everything was very methodical and logical in a way that people will be able to pick it up and really apply it to what they're doing immediately. So,
0: yeah, definitely super super glad to get him on. Well, thank you guys as always for tuning in. We greatly appreciate your support. Um, shoot us a message on Instagram. Let us know who you want to hear more of, what you're enjoying. Uh, We're here for you. So thank you guys for your support. We'll see you next week.